Welcome to the Moon and You podcast. My name is Susan Hart. You are invited to lean in and listen to conversations and content that elevates and educates in hormones, financial literacy, menopause, esoteric subjects about the moon, stars and ancient medicines with the intent to grow and find peace within the female body. As always, and in the spirit of reconciliation, I acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. I pay my respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the Moon and You. Welcome back to the podcast. My guest speaker today is Debbie McGinley. Debbie is an author and fully qualified leader in the holistic health and well-being space, specializing in women's health. With over 30 years of working knowledge, research and experience, Debbie is focused on empowering and inspiring women to take control of their hormonal roller coaster. Debbie's journey through the field of complementary therapies and natural medicine has resulted in gaining qualifications in aromatherapy, remedial massage, exploring the connection between the mind and emotions, studying counselling and hypnotherapy, becoming a Reiki master to open her awareness to the power of healing energy. Debbie's background in nursing specialising in wound care led her to complete level two in lympho edemia therapy management and education these skills knowledge and lived experience has given debbie the opportunity to support her clients on their life journey enabling them to achieve a sense of personal well-being i am so excited for this guest to come on welcome debbie thank you susan it's a pleasure to be here I have really been fascinated with all your educational levels and the reasoning why you wanted to have all these educational lessons in your life. What I'm most fascinated with is uh, women of our age and elk. You know, we tend to do some radical things. And one of the things that I think that is radical is that you go around Australia. Are you in a caravan at the moment somewhere? <laughs> I'm actually, uh, it's not a caravan, I'm in a Toyota Coaster camper van that oh, has been oh. converted into, um, you know, a living living space. Right. And my husband and I are travelling around this amazing country of ours uh, just to have adventures and to explore. Oh, what? That's wonderful. That's what I it want to do. Wonderful. I would love to do that. I would love to be able to have the courage. And I do say that word courage very rarely, mm -hmm. but to have the courage to uplift myself and then just go somewhere else. I think it's wonderful and good for you for doing it. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. It's been a five-year plan um, and my husband retired in March this year. And so for us that was uh, the next step of our adventures to, you know, do it like you say, it's something that you've always wanted to do. Mm. And so we, you know, had the courage, stepped through the fears and actually did it. And the more we're doing it, the more we're enjoying it and loving it. Mm, that's wonderful. The word retirement for me, I find that a very difficult word to use. And so I do love the modern take on retirement, which is called transition. 
That sounds better. <laughs> yeah. So retirement is what our mums and dads would say, you know, and that was what, 30 years ago. Um, and so transitioning is a really good word, which I want to start off with um, with you because mm-hmm. if, from reading your biography, you're transitioning into so many different fields, which we will get to eventually. But the first thing I want to talk about for you is your transition into menopause. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey into that? And has any of your choices um, in your field of study have been influenced by your transition into menopause? Yes, um, I actually started uh, my transitioning. I suppose I've uh, I've always had issues uh, with my menstruation and things. I have suffered with fibroids and very painful um, periods and the emotional highs and lows. And at 49 years of age, I um, had a hysterectomy. And so that was due to a medical condition that I, uh, with the fibroids. And Mm. so at 49, I I had the hysterectomy and my uh, doctor said to me, well, you'll probably go into menopause now. Mm. And I certainly did. So within probably three months of uh, having the, the procedure, the surgery, I pretty much had my first major hot flush which was quite extraordinary and we uh, and you know started that journey of of you know working in the uh the the transitioning of all of that Mm. Mm. Uh, and using you know the um uh, i couldn't go on to hrt uh, because i have a very strong family history of breast cancer yeah and so i wasn't you know referred to or recommended with uh, with that so with all my experience and and learning uh, i was able to start to look at you know complementary therapies and alternative therapies which i you know have been practicing uh, with for over 30 years with my clients mm-hmm. and so with with all of that knowledge and the skills and also working with those uh, with many women experiencing those symptoms i was able to plug into that and start to use those and you know mind you um being honest some days it was very difficult to you know navigate your way through the hormonal roller coaster but overall i was able to i felt like i was taking control of it yeah that's good you know when when Mm. you're talking about your the sudden onset, I suppose, of menopause, and you were advised mm. by the doctors that, you know, this could put you into menopause. But at 49, before it even happened, did you have any perimenopause symptoms? Were you were you sort of um, preparing already for menopause, like moving into that space? Or was it like you're 49, you're healthy, you know, and then suddenly, bang, you've had your first hot flush? Um, as I said, you know, working in the industry too and treating women, I was very aware of where I was um, throughout, you know, my life, you know, basically, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and I was preparing myself, becoming aware of the emotional highs and lows that were starting to happen. And, yes, perimenopause, starting to feel that a uh, little bit more sensitivity to things, um, you know, physically with, with um, de- you know, detergents, um, soaps, all that sort of um, physical, you know, lotions. Using aromatherapy was a great mm-hmm help in my life. Um, I have a real passion for aromatherapy and I have used it for many, many years and and I found that to be a, you know, it's a great tool in managing those sort of symptoms. Mm. When I was 48, I, oh, sorry, let me just go back a bit. I didn't go through perimenopause at all. 
When I was 48, my mother passed away from ovarian cancer and mm. she died on the 13th, oh, sorry, the 18th of December 2013 and I got my last period on the 1st of January 2014. Wow. I was shocked into menopause, like bang. Mm-hmm. And I went through from five, so I had my first 12 months, no period, mm-hmm. no symptoms, just a lot of grief, a lot of sadness, a lot of grief over my mum. And then um, the, the year after that, 2017, was a bit of a blur. Oh, was it? No, 2014, 2015 was a bit of a blur. And then 2016, 17 is when my, my symptoms started very gradually. So like mm. everybody's so different. That's what I find so mm. fascinating about menopause. Um, could we talk a little bit about your particular symptoms and I want to get back to aromatherapy because I've done um, a certification in aromatherapy as well um, mm-hmm. I'm not a practicing aromatherapist I'm I have certified with the Australian um, College of Aromatherapy and I have found it fascinating and I've I've used aromatherapy in a lot of my remedies and I'll share that with you as well but can we talk about some of your symptoms and then what were the remedies specifically and I want to talk about hot flushes too so tell tell us a little bit about that you don't have to go into any and too many gory details but I love gore (laughs) I love all the gore so I'm happy to um you know to listen to all your well I'll tell you about my first hot flush that I uh, experienced as as we you know mentioned before I was experienced a little bit of symptoms a bit more sensitivity and things but as far as the hot flushes and the night sweats uh, I had didn't have any of those until after my surgery and I was at the time working for a um, at a busy medical centre in my nursing, and I was talking to one of the doctors and my and my boss at the time, and all of a sudden I felt this burning sensation deep within, deep within my core, mm. and it felt like it came from right in within, and all of a sudden I was felt like a, I was a fire on fire. Uh, and my face went bright red. Even the whites of my eyes were red, and I just felt this burst of energy going right through me. And the doctor actually said to me, are you okay? And I went, I think I've had my first hot flush. <laughs> and I felt actually it was, it was quite intense um, and a bit overwhelming, and I, I just sort of stood there and then this lather of sweat I felt like I'd mm. just stepped out of a shower. Mm. And I, as I said, I, I said to him, I think I've had my first hot flush. And I actually felt quite unwell with it. I got a, a bit of a headache afterwards. And then it was like a switch had gone off. And so I felt that every day, every 10 minutes, it was like, vroom, mm. vroom. if I looked at a cup, a cup of coffee, I was having a hot flush. Isn't that exhausting? I, you know, oh. It is exhausting, and that's right. And so the the hot flushes started, and then you know the waking, the night sweats started, and then waking up at the, you know, the witching hour, three o'clock in the morning, and not being able to get back to sleep, and mm. the the bed sheets on, the bed sheets off, you know. And mm. it is it's the fatigue that comes with that, and the tiredness uh, was extraordinary. And the first, I'd say that probably the first six months, I I it took me that long to sort of adjust to this new sensation that was happening for me. Yeah. And so I, using my aromatherapy, I, um, I was able to, you know, help in many ways. But the hot flushes were a little bit of a, 
an issue at the beginning and the night sweats and and then sort of started to settle down. You know, it's when I just amped up my intensity of what I was doing using the tools that I'd shown many women Mm. and I could really understand where they were coming from now because before that I was, you know, even though I was very present with them and I was working with them and I, I, you know, understood, I, I sort of understood what they were going through until I had that lived experience there was, you know, uh, it doesn't compare. Mm. So the symptoms that I had were, you know, the hot flushes, night sweats. I actually started to feel um, I had some heart palpitations yes. uh, that time yeah. I, I felt, you know, the vaginal dryness. Oh, and- sorry, yes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> well, Lisa, yep. Lisa that Scott and I, you know, the lady who I <laughs> the podcast before, uh, before you, um, yes, she she was talking about vaginal dryness, and it's it's, mm. it's horrific. It's just it horrific. Is, yeah, that's exactly, and it's mm. like all of a sudden everything just goes boom, mm. and you and you're in there, mm. and. It's, it's sometimes, you know, some women have mild experiences, some people have, you know, severe things. I know that I went into it quite severe. My mother was exactly the same when she uh, went through menopause. And so I, I understood a little bit about, more understood what she was going through at the time. Being a young girl, it was sort of, I wasn't aware of, of, of those sort of things. Because back in the day, you didn't really talk about menopause and all those symptoms that you were having yeah exactly. it was very difficult for women they didn't they weren't supported in that they weren't able to speak about it because people thought they were just going crazy yeah yeah oh the headaches too yes yes go for it yeah headaches and I felt the puffiness started to come I went up a full size in my clothing and felt like I had just been blown up with air. That's that's how I felt. <laughs> so, you know, and the fatigue, as I said, from the night sweat. So mm. some of the things, uh, the remedies that I did use, as I said, aromatherapy, I was able to, uh, I put arom- uh, essential oils into all of my body lotions and cream. So I just added more of, you know, like your geraniums for balancing, uh, your bergamot for uplifting, clary sage to reduce the stress of those sorts of things to help with the with the fluid retention mm, and mm. Uh, so massage I being a lymphedema therapist I mm. and remedial massage therapist I really tapped into that side of things because lymphatic drainage is a wonderful tool to just help the body get rid of the toxins the build-up of of the fluid all those sorts of things and it's a great tool and I would recommend that for any woman going through menopause it's Mm. you know and and having a massage is a real self-care and self-nurturing thing that you can do for yourself during the transition Mm. so walking walking is another thing that I love to do I walk as much as I can because, you know, it releases those feel-good hormones, the serotonin, mm. and, you know, you can solve many of your problems while walking and, and you know, mm. just release them into the ground and, you know, it just you always feel good after a, after a walk. And I know sometimes people can't walk when they're, you know, all the time, but if you can just get a short walk, yeah. you know, that makes you feel, feel so much better. Yeah. I do, um, you know, with meditation, I do a lot of meditation and mm. I find that that really centres and balances me and it just sort of, you know, draws your energy body back into a bit of balance. Mm. So that's sort of, that's sort of some of the things that I did. Qigong is another um, uh, exercise that I love to do to just strengthen the core and to look at um you know a little bit of gentle exercise i'm not someone that has uh ever been uh going to the gym too much i just always found that was too uh, strenuous i suppose i like gentle exercise 
You know what? <laughs> that's okay. That's okay at all. I mean, I was on HRT for uh, six weeks, and mm-hmm. um, prior to that, I had such severe. Um, it's been seven years, gradually growing. You know, getting worse and worse. My menopause symptoms were getting worse and worse, and so I had the hot flushes. Mm-hmm. I had aching joints. I had severe migraines at the base of my skull, bloating. I had pain all over my body, um, and it's just and, and in my indigestion. There was which we'll get to in a moment. Bad indigestion, all these sorts of things. So I went to the doctors and I said, you know what? I don't care if, if it gives me a stroke. I don't care if there's risk of cancer. I cannot live this way any longer, and 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 I said, okay, let me let, let me have the HRT. She said, okay, Sue. So I was on it for six weeks, and then I just couldn't stay on it because my breasts were so sore. That was, I mean, I have double D cup already. Well, one's an F and one's a double D. But anyway, both of them are like a G cup. There was, so, and I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't do my yoga. I couldn't even walk without it. And I just felt an overall sense of a plateauing, like I was just full of estrogen. It was kind of mm-hmm. like having just before your period all the time. You know, yes, my little a little bit of libido come back, and yes, I became a more fluidic. You know, I wasn't as dry. But the other symptoms, I just couldn't handle it. So I went off it. I got onto the menopause tea, which was lovely, and mm-hmm. but I did join a gym for cardio. And for my body, I used to be a dancer, and so when I used to dance. I would feel elated. So I thought, I've got to get back into cardio and dancing or something. So I'll go join the gym for three days a week. I do yoga four days a week. And the three oils that I use, Clary Sage, thank you very much, that's exactly correct, and peppermint for my sometimes my depression and a um, little mm. bit of sadness, and lemon for the clarity of my mind. So those three oils combined with the gym, lots of water, and I do eat a predominantly plant-based um diet i sort of seem to have found myself again over the last three weeks and then i got a uh, chest infection <laughs> so, and now i'm back you know but um so everything that you've said <clears throat> is so so important but the one thing i didn't realize is the lymphatic drainage now that's that's a very interesting thing and i'm going to add that to my little list of things that i want to do i we don't really have anybody here who would i go to for that then if you're not here for me for you to do it for me who do i go to is it a doctor or what's what's the no, a lot of um uh, with being trained as a lymphedema i, I specialize with um, people who have that chronic condition um and it's usually a lot of women after breast cancer mm. and they may develop swelling of their their limbs and things and also people that have uh, are born with it but if you can find a, a remedial therapist who can do lymphatic drainage that's you right know, so there is so you don't, it's not yeah. that you that's right. You don't have a medical condition as such, but mm. you know, um, but it's just to helping you with the with the puffiness and and um, you know just with this the mild swelling that you get. Mm. So a lymphedema uh, therapist is is great, but is um, if you can get a remedial therapist mm-hmm. uh, who can do because in their training with with remedial therapy they do do um, a module with lymphatic drainage. I see. And so okay. they a lot of it's becoming more popular in a sense with um, with massage therapists because a lot of people are seeking that type of massage because it really does have a beneficial effect on your health. Yeah. Well, after my second um, COVID nineteen shot, um, mm-hmm. I got really bad um, pain under my 
armpits with the with my lymph nodes they were swollen mm-hmm. and um yeah and I was very concerned about that I haven't gone for my boosters yet so I suppose I'm a bit naughty there but uh, the last time that my last needle was it was just too much I was I was so sick for the second mm. the second shot that I just uh I think I'm done you know I think I'm done with it I shouldn't mm-hmm. be saying that on there but the- anyway <laughs> Yeah, that's right, and that's what the lymphatic system does. It, it's your, uh, it's closely related to your immune system as well, mm. and so mm. it's like the little defence mechanisms that come out when you've had something that's foreign, mm. and uh, so your lymph glands can become a little bit swollen because they're actually processing. It's like they they're gobbling up all the the bacteria and the and uh, as microorganisms that they need to process through the body. Mm. Can we talk a bit, little bit about gut health and I know that you've mm-hmm. got some information about that too so how important is the connection between our hormones when we're talking about our lymph nodes as well and hormones uh, to mm. our gut health because I have had chronic gut problems for years for years and years and years um, and I this is one of the things when I when I found you and what you were doing I thought I must talk to talk to you about that um, mm. Yeah, so and also too, our mind and emotions, how how our gut is affected by that as well. So so let's just talk about that and food and sure. whatever else influences the gut because isn't the gut the second brain or the first brain in some people's instance? <laughs> yes, it is. That's exactly right. The uh, we have two brains and in the ancient Taoist texts they talk about the two brains and our brain in our head is, uh, it's like an information centre and it stores knowledge and memories. Uh, so, and our abdominal brain in our gut area is where we store our feelings. Mm. And so that's sort of where you, and that's where our um you know, we we suffer with digestion. It's where we digest things on all levels: our food, our emotions, what we're thinking, all those sorts of things. And so, I'll just just talk a little bit about the hormone side of things first, um, and then that sort of leads into gives you a bit of an understanding of what I'm talking about. So, you know, like our hormones are the driving force within our body. They're vital in supporting and maintaining balance in our body. And when you go through the transition of menopause, you know, they become a bit out of balance. So, you know, they're, they're produced by our a group of glands called the endocrine system, and that's responsible for regulating growth, metabolism, reproduction, and our response to stress. So you can see how important it is to try and keep them in balance. And when you're going through the transitions, your hormones are just out of control. You, you know, you, you're losing the, the estrogen um component of that and that regulates your brain function your reproduction your stress all those sorts of things and so when that starts to fluctuate everything else goes out of whack as well so that's what gives you all those you know the 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 sensation of being uh, with the hot flushes and things so with the endocrine system they all work together to maintain the balance and so when you work through those those uh, hormone changes it it becomes a bit exacerbated, as I said, with the with menopause. So, you know, when you've got a, a lack of estrogen, you, I mean, your estrogen comes from it's responsible for the imbalances during menopause. And sometimes, when you're going through perimenopause, you can ovulate twice in a month. 
And so, as mm. you said, you went to the doctor. Uh, you know, a lot of women go to the doctor and they'll say, I think I'm have, I'm going through menopause. And so the doctor will do a blood test and their, their hormone levels might be normal at that time. And they say, no, you're not going through menopause. You just, it's in your head something mm, like that mm. um, and so a lot of women become very frustrated so then you know seeking out uh, your own research or information to find out what's going on uh, with your hormones is is beneficial for your own health and again it's taking that control so you know you've got your, your things like your pituitary gland that regulates the other glands you've got your thyroid gland your parathyroid glands your adrenal glands they regulate your stress so your fight or your flight and then you've got your test they and they influence the testes and the ovaries which is producing the estrogen and the progesterone so having an understanding of your hormones and the endocrine system is um, pretty vital. So a lack of estrogen, you know, you've got your hot flushes, your shortness of breath, your night sweats, insomnia, you know, the headache, the depression, the heart palpitations. And having an excess estrogen gives you that water retention. So you can see, as I was saying before, I felt like I'd gone up a size. So my estrogen mm. levels were going from low to high, low to high all the time. And so I found that very you know, tiring, you know, the breast swelling, the the mood swings, you know, the irregular periods, the weight gain and craving for sweets. Jeez, that was hard. Craving <laughs> <laughs> for sweets. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, all those hormone, our hormones that are changing, um, it's important to, uh, I suppose, have a, have a knowledge of those sorts of things. And when it comes to the, the gut area, our gut is the power center. As I said, it's the abdominal brain. It's where our feelings are stored and where we process food and feelings and thoughts. So a healthy digestion is important and also it leads to a healthy elimination. So it helps the body to just keep that flow going, you know, and I like to keep things simple. So when I've spoken to women uh, about, you know, they, they go on, a lot of women go on diets because they're, they're you know, feeling that they're weight, putting on weight for no reason at all. And if they understand that that's part of the menopause transition, they can start to look at foods. And I look at having more alkaline food in your diet. So when we look at that, we, we look at food and we, most of our bodies, uh, or our foods are either acid-forming or alkalizing. And so our diet in, in our, this modern time has become increasingly focused on acid-forming foods such as meat, sugar, you know, wheat, grains and dairy. And many of these are highly processed. So to rebalance the pH levels and prevent, you know, disease and, and the swelling, you've got to include more alkalizing foods in your diets. And that's just a very simple way of transitioning and, and keeping your, you know, your, your, your weight under control. It really does help. I know, you know, through, through lived experience it does. Um, and it's, it's not about changing your whole diet. It's looking at the alkaline foods that you like and including more of them in your diet and could just you, to keep that balance. Could you give us an example of some alkaline foods, just a couple of examples? Yeah, sure. So you've got your leafy greens, so your spinach and, you know, all those salad, the kale, you've got your rocket, you know, your spices, turmeric, turmeric, mm, mm. cumin, coriander, um, fresh herbs, uh, parsley, basil and mint. Mm. 
and you've got your sprouts and your grasses, you've got your vegetables, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, your cabbage and your cauliflower, cucumber, asparagus, you know, uh, all those sort of things, spirulina, your algae type type of vegetables. So anything that's more green is very, very high, highly mm. alkalizing. What about and nuts? then you've got your nuts and berries and stuff like that. Yeah, look, um, they're, they're sort of, um, you know, a bit neutral. Nuts are very neutral in your in okay. the acid and alkaline forming thing okay. there. Mm. You've got your black beans that are neutral, kidney beans, all your nuts and seeds uh, and brown rice are all white, right, you know, they're quite neutral. Uh, you know, so you've got very alkalizing food. You've got moderately alkalizing food, which is your avocado, your coconut, your starchy vegetables like sweet potato and carrot and beetroots. And then you've got your mildly alkalizing ones, which are your mung beans, you know, mm. uh, the raw nuts, those sorts of things, and mm. the neutral, neutral type of things. So there, you know, there's quite a range when you start looking at the alkalizing food it you know there's quite a lot to choose from the things that that are highly acidic obviously are your things like your white bread and your pastries and cow's milk red meat prawns you know mm. all those sort of things artificial sweeteners and unfortunately alcohol yeah but i always believe that everything in moderation is okay and if you feel like an alcoholic drink it's not as if you want to you, you would drink a whole bottle or whatever, or well, maybe you do <laughs> at some stages. But, um, you know, it's having everything in moderation. Mm. I liken the body when I talk about the alkaline and acidic type of thing as like a swimming pool. So if you can get in your mind a swimming pool and when the pH balance is not there, the swimming pool is murky and it's green and it's mm. sluggy and it's sluggish. Mm. Well, that's exactly what your body is like when it becomes mm. too acidic. Mm. So it really gives you a good picture. Oh, it really does. I actually can Doesn't see it. it. Yeah, and I can actually smell yeah. it. It's like, okay, <laughs> okay, I get it, I get it. And, and I so said, keeping – Yeah. Sorry. No, 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 I was just saying when, as you were talking about all those foods – um, sometimes um, I can't avoid cheese because cheese is in everything. And mm -hmm. well before um, I stopped having uh, dairy for other re other reasons other than health, um, I was finding having dairy very difficult in my 40s because every mm -hmm. time I, I, I would eat it, I really loved it, but then I would feel sick like for a couple of hours, like really sick and lethargic and bloating. And I realised mm. I don't think I can have dairy anymore. Um, and I don't. And even this morning, there was a small amount of um, cheese on this particular thing I have. And I thought, oh, God, it's everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. You cannot get away from cheese or milk. Well, the, and that's the thing is if you love cheese, then maybe looking at, um, you know, goat's cheese. Goat's cheese is a bit more um, alkalizing than, than um, you know, your tasty cheeses and your block cheeses and those sorts yeah. of things. Cashew cheese so, is great. I mean, there's wonderful nut cheeses out there where people, yeah. artisans are, are making all these amazing nut cheeses. And I'm thinking, okay, well, they're neutral. So I'm happy about that. Mm. Um, oh. And they're just almost the same. And so I'm thinking, well, that's probably where I'll go to. But when we go out for dinner or when we do something, there's just always some element that's always in there. So, yes, true, moderation is all is all, is the key. Um, that's exactly right. And yeah. vod apparently vodka is the best of all. If you're going to have an alcoholic beverage, vodka yep. with, say, soda water or something else that doesn't have sugar in it is probably the best for you. So I'm thinking, yes, because I'm a vodka chick. I love vodka. Um, well, anyway. In my travels, I have, uh, 
you know, I don't. I like to have an alcoholic drink. I do like a red wine, and I always feel that it's full of antioxidants, so it's actually mm. doing something good for me. But <laughs> yes. vodka, yes, uh, it's a good travelling alcohol drink. And here we are talking about alcohol, and we're talking about healthy things. Yeah, <laughs> uh, having <laughs> having vodka, a, a little bit of vodka with some squeeze, some lemon in it, and some lime cordial, and then I have a soda stream, and I make my own bubble water, oh, and I nice. use that. And it's quite a nice, refreshing drink. So one of those of an afternoon is just lovely. That's like a gin and tonic. I love it. It is. It certainly is. So you know, uh, you know, the food. As I said, if you if you picture that that swimming pool with the pH balance, you can certainly get an idea of how uh, you know it, it makes people go. Oh, geez, I really need to look at what I'm eating. Mm. Oh, my and to just mm. change, make a few changes, isn't it? I always try to not to put too much stress on uh, when I'm talking to people about food because as soon as you can, you mention something like food and diet, some people go into a bit of a stress thing because they have tried so many diets, they've tried so many things, and it's just like, oh, this is too hard. Mm. And so they put that undue stress on them. So it's just incorporating a little bit more of the the alkalizing foods mm. in your diet to mm. make a bit of a difference. And more and once you start, it becomes a little bit easier. You start to feel better, you have more energy. You start to feel that your digestion is a bit better, your elimination is a little bit better. Mm. And so that that covers that food element. The physical side of the gut health um, mm. by feeding your body you know you we are what we eat and the if you keep giving yourself all these acidic forming foods your body's going to tell you sooner or later that I, it's yeah it's not good i think people i think human beings are very wise creatures for most of the time mm. unfortunately as 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 the older i get the more marketing and advertising i get to say People, you know, and I'm not sort of saying about the allied health workers, but most people out there who were selling you something going, you don't know what's good for you. You don't know what you should eat. This is what, you know, buy this product and and buy mm -hmm. this and do this and do that. And this is what you need to eat. I'm thinking, hang on, wait a minute. We, we live in a society where corporations are invested in ensuring that we eat a lot of their junk food. Because yep. it's extremely um, addictive, and there's no way, really, that they're going to we're going to be able to break through the noise of the corporations' money that say, you know, they, they of course they say, look, this is a treat, but we're humans as well. We we are addictive mm. beings. That's why we survive because we do things over and over and over again as habitual behaviour, and. For me, sometimes I get so confused and I think, oh, I shouldn't be talking about food. I'm not qualified. Or I shouldn't be talking mm -hmm. about, oh, I shouldn't just say to people, you should just eat greens and you should be doing this because I'm not qualified. Do you know what? I am a qualified person. I'm a human being with a brain. So therefore, you know what's right for your body. Me mm. personally, when I eat certain foods, even if they are good, I go, oh, I can't have that. For some reason, my body does not cope with it and so i think humans forget that they can actually do empirical evidence on themselves they can try mm -hmm. something and go mm, i don't like that that's not going to work for me great and if someone eats like my husband i love him dearly but he loves chocolate bullets the the <laughs> like seriously he would have a whole packet and then he would sit and he'd go oh i should have had that and i said well why did you because of course they're so nice and he's addicted mm -hmm. to them 
And I'm that's thinking, right. okay, so that's the problem. You can't just have one or two. So what we need to address is um, the addictions that we have and how can we say no? How can we allow ourselves to say no? One of the things that I found is if I don't say no to anything, I just add more. I add mm. more greens, I add more apples, I add more bananas, I add more water. And so the more I add, and I still eat all, if I'm addicted to something, I'll still eat it. But the more I add this other food, the less cravings I have to feed those addictions. So that's, that's yeah. And so that's my, um, that's the way I do things now. Because as soon as I say, oh, no, I'm going to have to give that up, my ego gets involved and says, far out. That's not going to happen, Sue. No way. Mm. No way we're going to give up. Because you crave it. Yeah, we've given up so much in our life. You're not going to give up that, surely. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, I'd love to move on to more esoteric questions now. Um, Mm -hmm. The fact that you're a nurse and that you you were part of the allied health um, industry, um, which is more science-based, and now we're moving more into the esoteric um, remedial mm. space. Could we talk a little bit about the chakra system and and also to the influence that you mentioned briefly about the mind, how, how the mind and our emotions affect our gut health, but also talk mm. about the chakra system and its effect on the overall health. And, bef- and before you share, some, share that, just one quick thing. I, I went to see I'm – a, I'm a skeptic. I mean, truly a skeptic, and I question everything. And I am science-based. I have one foot in each camp. I love astronomy, but I love the ancient theories of astrology. So I merge the mm-hmm. two. Um, I love going to see my physiotherapist, who is also a kinesiologist. So she mm-hmm. said she came to me because I have all this pain, and she said to me, I'm just going to hold your neck, Sue, okay? Now I'm going to hold your neck, and I'm just going to – and can you sit with the pain? Can you just sit with the pain for a moment? Because, you know, you have a bit of whiplash. We know that. We've seen it on the x-rays. So that's a practical thing. We get that. But the pain that you're experiencing is a little bit too much for the condition that you have. So let's just sit with it. And I was getting so pissed off with her. I said, just get your fingers in. And because why do you want to hurt yourself more? You've got a little bit of niggle. I get that. But what's it bringing up for you emotionally? Mm. I went, oh. Um, she said, she talked about a few things and basically it's a sense of control because I, my body apparently, and it makes sense, is really good at protecting itself. For example, I don't like to, I don't like people coming up to me randomly and cuddling me, invading my space. However, I love to go and randomly cuddle other people and throw myself Mm. on other people, but not the other way around. Um, and it was really and really important for me to realize. She said, "Sue, this is possibly emotional based. So we need to understand why. What what is it that's blocking? What is blocking you? What's emotionally blocking you that's causing this pain? Anyway, I wanted to just share that with you because that there's a lot of stuff happened after that. But <laughs> I, I'm a convert. I'm a convert to kinesiology. I'm a convert to the energies in the body, and I'm now over to you. Share with me your wisdom about this beautiful subject. Okay. And and as you were saying, you know, you 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 struggled with just being in that space with her and the emotions that came up for you. Mm. And mm. we are more than just our physical body. Mm. 
as I mentioned before about feeding your body food, that's sort of like your fuel for your physical body. Mm. And, and how you're feeling about yourself affects your digestion. So when you eat something, you are, you know, your digestion will take over. And whether you feel emotional, eating under stress, um, whether you have a healthy attitude to yourself, it has a big part in your digestion, all in that gut area. And so with your minds and your emotions during the transition of menopause can take you on, it can be chaotic sometimes, you feel like you're in a washing machine. So you really don't know where you're going, what you're doing. You feel very emotional. You feel you overthink things. Your mind can take you off on a tangent. And you can have you can be having an experience in your mind and people are involved and you can feel um, anger or sadness or, or whatever it is and it's all in your mind. Because you, you can connect to a past memory uh, and that brings up the emotional side of things. If you're eating under a, a, an emotional stress, feeling that your body has changed shape, all those sorts of things, that self-esteem, mm. that creates that that sense of the, um, the, the out of balance in the, the gut area. So when your mind, you've got your food, you've got your mind and emotions in the gut area, which is your abdominal brain, as I mentioned before, you know, so, uh, you know, our true feelings are centred in the abdominal brain. So, the, you know, the, when you when this centre is unbalanced, you disconnect from your relationship with yourself, you know, you become a bit separate in that way. Mm. And so you have difficulty with your self-esteem, your personal power and your self-worth. And so menopause can, you know, it can exacerbate and sabotage the mind, and, you know, it just can create all these these unreal things that are going on. And so if we learn to bring that back, balance back, we can start to become aware of when we are going off on those tangents. So, again, taking control of the of our power centre. Mm. So as far as the with the mind and the emotions, as I said, you know, it can go off on a tangent. But... If we bring it back through through the little tools that we can learn, and that is, you know, one of the tools that I use and, and I use this in my program is just to be able to put your hands on your abdomen and just feel the warmth of your hands. And what that does is it takes you out of your brain, out of your mind, just gives your mind a little bit of a rest and you connect with your abdominal brain and bring it back into balance. It's mm. such a little simple tool. And mm. it is so effective. It really does work very well in just calming those the mind and the emotions. Because as I said, this the power center in your your gut area is important in in regulating the the imbalances and and keeping the mind and the emotions under wraps. I suppose mm. you know as far as the solar plexus, our chakra system is part of our aura mm. and our energy system. So we are more than just this physical body. We have these minds, we have an emotional body, a mindful body and our spiritual body. And that's where our chakra system comes into the energy side of things. So everything that's alive, we all pulsate with energy, everything that's alive. Mm. We transmit and we receive energy all the time. So in, you, you've probably walked into a room sometimes and you could feel the energy in the room. Yes. And so when you do that, you think, well, what's been happening in here? And you can be sit there. I love to people watch and not through anything other than just watching. And sometimes you can watch two people sitting at a table and you can feel the love between them. 
Mm. or you can feel that they may be having a little bit of a moment, a disagreement or things, you can sense it. Mm. So it's sensing that energy that you feel. So sensing that in your gut. If you have uh, an experience where um, you might feel a little bit frightened or anything, you'll feel it in your gut or you get your gut instinct. That's in that solar plexus area. So that's the physical sensation that you get in the gut from the solar plexus energy. Mm. It's connected to our gut uh, and it's considered be the, to be the core of our being. It's our power centre mm. and it's the home of our self-esteem and our willpower and our personality. It's how we present ourselves to the world. And if you don't have a healthy respect for yourself or self-esteem uh, and that can fluctuate during the transition of menopause then you can you know sometimes you feel really confident you feel really um empowered and other times you just want to crawl away in a little cave and you don't want to speak to anybody and that's what Mm. happens and you don't know why it just happens Mm. so by centering yourself and connecting with that solar plexus i say to myself a lot you'll be okay when i do that you're okay you're okay you just just bring yourself back Mm. back into that power center Mm. And so the the solar plexus, as I said, is the um, the the energy side of our gut, and mm. that's where we we are very sensitive to different things that we receiving and giving out. Mm. Does that make sense? Oh yes, such wise words. I love it. Did I hear you say something about a program? Yes, my online program. You're stepping into wisdom program. Okay. Do you know what? I've just looked at the time. This is like 40 minutes. I have, I have, I've even forgotten the time. Your information is so good. It's so oh, wonderful. Um, I really want to, I really would love to move on to the the, the program, the Stepping Into Wisdom, uh, yep. the online program that you have. Um, the fact that you have it and that you're, you're traveling around Australia, it's like, man, you're amazing. Okay. And um, I also wanted to tell the listener as well that, I like to call you the Dragonfly Lady because that's what your name is, Dragonfly Collective. <laughs> yes, thank you. And Dragonfly is my totem oh, and um, right. a little story regarding that. Um, my, my beautiful sister that I was very close to passed away in 2009 with pancreatic cancer mm. and she loved dragonflies as well. So I changed everything to Dragonfly in, you know, to um, honour her, oh, her wisdom. She was a very wise woman. She she was my support. She encouraged me through everything that I did in my life to pursue all the things that I've done in my life. And she continues to do that in spirit, I must say. Mm. Oh, that's so wonderful. It's wonderful. Well, just move on to that beautiful program of yours because I'd love to know what it is. I'm sure that our listeners, I mean, my listeners have been with me for a very long time now, so I'm pretty sure that we're all moving into either perimenopause or menopause. And one mm. of the things that they have asked is, you know, well, what what can they do to prepare themselves for menopause? Mm. Um, and programs um, like what you're doing and the information that you have is so important to get out there to people. So uh, I welcome you to tell us about um, this program of yours. Yeah, thank you. Um, the the program is a, it's a 10-step program um, and it was created to – uh, to help women and support women going through their um, their transition and, and educate them. And being on the road too, I, I um, my clinic is no, my physical clinic is no longer, um, as you could imagine. And so 
It was during the lockdown that I was inspired to do an online program with everything that I've put together over the years. I, I, over the years, I've run workshops specifically for women going through the transition and it's all centred around our gut health and so the program is following those guidelines and so it, it is about the physical body, the mind, the emotions and the spiritual body and how you can use the tools that I show you to be able to help with your transition uh, during that time. I've also... Um, uh, looked at you know ways to uh, you know as I said to support women and just to teach them and educate them that they can take control and that's what the program's about it's just supporting and educating women in that transition and knowing that there are uh, there is that support out there for them mm. Mm, that's wonderful yeah. and so they can find you at dragonflycollective.info Yes, it's uh, yeah, www.dragonflycollective.info. Lovely. And I will have that, all those notes um, and information and those questions that we've asked as well um, on, our, on my website and on the SoundCloud um, information as well so they can find you and find this program. Debbie, is there anything I should like to say as a final goodbye to the listeners? Uh, just that uh, you know, we've having lived experience, and you know, being on the journey with these women who are approaching perimenopause and menopause, that it's not the end of the world. Mm. It's actually a new beginning, and it's it's a place where you can start to learn and understand a deeper level of yourself, and you step into that wisdom. And that's what the online program is about, stepping into your own wisdom and honouring yourself as a, an amazing woman. Mm. Look at the journeys that we've all been on, and we're still continuing to do that and mm. and to let go of the, the limiting beliefs that we have about ourselves that our lives are ending. I'm having a great time <laughs> uh, in my... Well, I've been in menopause now for over 10 years and so mm. I'm, I'm in my 60s now. I'm, I'm through the, 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 the majority of it. I still experience mild symptoms, but I've really become aware of you know, my, my own empowerment during this transition and, and it feels great. It feels mm. really good. Mm. So I encourage women to look at that and to, um, you know, invite this change because at the end of the day, you cannot change it. It will happen. And so by honouring it and learning the tools to transition through it with ease and grace, mm. you'll be, you'll come out not, not so much the other side, but you, you will, you know, you'll learn a lot about yourself during this transition. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure and my honour to have you on this program. I have learnt so much, truly I have, and I've got a smile on my face, quite large. <laughs> uh, it's, it's lovely uh, also because I don't feel so alone. This is the one thing that I love, talking to women like yourself. We are moving into another phase. It's, a, it's another gateway. And my job, dear listener, is to be there for you at the gate to welcome you into this amazing sisterhood which is menopause uh-huh. i like to call it moonopause <laughs> <laughs> thank you debbie thank you so much and thank you listener um we'll see you on the other side bye for now <laughs>